live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Quick shout out to my half fam, Chowtown, Boston. What's up? How are we living right now? Now, I know you don't need to tell me, but your Celtics are up off the mat. The TD Garden curse is lifted. We back, half fam. We back. We. Well, half we. We back. The curse has been lifted. And before you all try to run up in here and throw up stop signs and tell me to chill out on hyping my half fam, I know it's only one game. I get it. I know it's just one game. I understand this. I remember that very important lesson that James Harden tried to teach the Sixers after game one. Remember this? Just one game, bro. One game, bro. Just one game. Boy, he knew what he was talking about, didn't he? One game. He was so right. One game, bro. Just one game. You know, like the mirage of James Harden playing well in a playoff game. Just one game. One game, bro. Anything can happen in one game. I mean, he knew. Why do you think he said it? Look at Harden himself. I get it. More importantly, he gets it. I know one game is not going to completely shake the pain of that, quote, Hindenburg-like ending. Hindenburg-like ending. To the Boston Bruins season. I know that one game did not snatch back the home court that the Celtics lost in the series. I know that one game definitely does not guarantee that the Celtics won't have their own Hindenburg-like ending for the playoffs. But the only dirigible or Zeppelin or airship or blimp that went up in flames last night was the one that the Sixers were flying on. And after the last two weeks of Chowtown misery, putting that curb stomping on those dudes from Philly had to feel incredible. I mean, I'm here in Cali. I'm only half fam, and I could feel it. It might have only been one game, bro, but holy crap, that one game was an ass-beating. An ass-beating to the extent you can almost once again start talking about the Celtics as the ones to beat. It was that impressive. That much of an ass beating. Yes, just one game. But to quote the late, great Pat Tillman, that was a nice, swift ass kicking. Nice, swift ass kicking. Yo, Pat, what up? And talk about harshing the buzz on the Joel MVP win. I mean, only a few hours before that, Only a few hours before that curb stomping, Joel was crying as his teammates chanted MVP at him. Even Harden presented him with an incredibly classy gift, a gift that, frankly, I'm envious of. Ooh, my first Rolex. (laughs) I have a Rolex. Yo, this is nice. Wolves gold, too? Wow. (laughs) How about Joel? Joel is saying, whoa, my first Rolex. Never had a Rolex. Did he say also rose gold? My first Rolex. That's a nice ticker. That's a really nice ticker. And he earned it. Rose gold too. 
Rose gold too. Sidebar. I have nothing in rose. I've always wanted rose. I like rose gold. I like rose better than yellow. I like white better than rose, but I like rose better than yellow. That is a nice ticker. And he earned it. Man, what a, but think about this. What a waste that would have been to get it engraved 2023 MVP if he didn't win it. What would Harden have done then? What would the backup plan have been then? What, you're going to scratch that out? You can't do that. But he did win it. And the watch was a classy gesture from the beard. Man, you got to love guys that are that rich. They then just hand out rollies to each other. Man, I wish, I wish I had friends that were that rich that liked me that much. Hey, Van Smack, you've done this show for, what, 30 years? Here's a Rolex. Congratulations. I wish I had friends like that. Man, must be nice. Must be nice. Imagine me rolling in here one day and Jack Savage being, hey, boss. Hey, boss, here's a Rolex. I've been here three months. Thanks, Jack. Alvy going, hey, yo, boss man, here's a Benz. I've been here 12 years. Thanks, Alvy. I love that you guys are rich. Chalk's two-year anniversary is coming up. Chalk's like, yo, here's a beach house. Thanks, Chalk. I love having rich friends. You know what would have been a better gift, though? And I want to give it to the beard. <laughs> I want to give it up to the beard. That's a great gift. I mean, what a thoughtful gesture. What an awesome gesture. An engraved Rolex. Rose gold. But you know what would have been better? You know what would have been an even better gift, beard? Some buckets. Some buckets last night. That would have been an even classier gesture had the beard shown up for game two. That would have been a great present. And this is coming from a watch guy. This is coming from a Rolex guy. Believe me, I know how valuable that gift was. I essentially know what that gift costs. That said, I think that Joel would have rather have had a couple of hardened threes than that first Rolex. A couple of threes go down last night. That would have been of greater value. Instead, Harden turned back into Larden and went 2 of 14 from the field in game two. 0 of 6 from beyond the arc. Now, I'll give Larden this much. He did warn us. It's not like he didn't tell us this might happen. It's not like he didn't say game one was just one game, bro. Like, don't expect 45 from me every night. In fact, don't expect it ever again. That was just one game, bro. And don't get me wrong. I'm capable of doing that. I just won't. For one game, yes. That's it. Just one game, bro. Now, in fairness to Larden, the MVP was not much better. And yes, I did say that he went all Arnold with it when he said, I'll be back. I'll be back. Technically, he did come back. But he didn't come back as himself. Joel was not himself last night. Dude is still clearly dinged. He's still clearly hobbled. In fact, hobbled is hell. And yes, he was rusty too. He was both those things. So if you want to ask the question, is that injury or is that just rust? The answer is yes. It's both. He came back, but his feeling was he had to grit it out. And he had to get back out there. When asked about what he was doing out there, should he have been out there, he said, quote, I was supposed to be out four to six weeks. I'm not going to be 100%. I'm not going to be fully healed. End of quote. Not exactly what Philly fan wants to hear. So the next question Philly fan might logically ask is, well, if you're not 100%, then why did you play last night? 
You already had gotten the split. They had won without you. Why not rest and get a few more days? Joel knew that question was coming, and this is how he answered it. If I would have come back in game three, um, probably rusty and, you know, not myself. Um, but I feel like just got this out of the way, uh, disappointed by the loss. Um, but, um, but that's a step towards, you know, getting back to myself. Let me translate that for you. I can read Joel E's. I know what he's saying. In other words, we just have to trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the process. The process of easing the process back to full power. So he would tell you we earned that chance to burn a game in Boston with that enormous game one win. So I want to get back in the flow. I want to get back to work. I want to get back in a rhythm. Look, I get it. I understand it. He was not himself. He probably is not going to be himself anytime soon. But there is a big question. So he goes out there. He's not himself. The question now is, how does he come out of it? That's the big question. We saw what he looked like on the floor, but now, how does he come out of it? Clearly, he's not right. So I understand the explanation for playing last night. He just explained it. But did he make it better or did he make it worse? Is there more swelling? In other words, how did he come out of it? How is he today? We don't know that yet. And frankly... You know, in terms of should he or shouldn't he have played, it doesn't really matter. Not the way the Celtics showed up. It doesn't matter whether or not he went last night, what he gave them or what he wouldn't have given them. It doesn't matter about Harden going back to Larden. Literally none of it matters because the Seas were on one last night. They beat the hell out of the Sixers, and they did it without even needing anything from their best player. Their MVP candidate, Jason Tatum, scored seven points last night. U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast. Right now, you can get one line with unlimited data for just $29.99. So, unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price. Get one line for $29.99 with unlimited data today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. This dude was one of seven shooting, and they still won by 34. This is why I say it's only one game, but when you see a beatdown of that magnitude, you can see whereby the conversation is starting once again about how, you know what, they are the ones to beat. That's why we were talking about them being the ones to beat. On a night where Tatum gets seven, they win by 34. And you know what? They looked pissed. They looked angry. And you know why they looked pissed and they looked angry? Because they were pissed and they were angry. Not my words, but the words of their pissed and angry head coach, Joe Mazzulla. Joe, what have the last 48 hours been like for your team? Angry, pissed. And did you like that? Did you like their yes. what was going on the last couple of days? Yes. That's a great exchange. What have the last couple of days been like? Angry, pissed? Angry, pissed. Uh, uh, did you like that? Yes. Yes. Three words. Two questions and three words. That's incredible. That is very economical. That is very efficient. That's how you efficiently communicate. The media asks you two questions and you give them three powerful words total. 
What were the last two days like? Angry, pissed. Angry, pissed. Did you like that? Yes. Yes. That's incredible, actually. There you go. Three words, Chowds. Half fam. Three words that you love to hear. Angry, pissed, yes. Gotta love that. Yes. If you're half fam or full fam, the Celtics should be pissed. The Celtics should be angry, especially the way they were humiliated in game one. I know Celtic fan is pissed about the way the team humiliated itself in game one. It was embarrassing, but at least last night stopped the bleeding in Boston. Now we have a series. And now that series is about to head to Philly. Philly fan, ball is in your court. Philly fan, you spoiled, lucky bastards. You get another enormous playoff weekend, Philly. Try not to turn this into a hot dog food fight or a battery chucking contest or a light pole climbing convention or a horse pie sando eating contest. You haven't earned any of that yet. It's only a split, a really important split, but only a split. And that beatdown last night probably brought you back to earth and reminds you that, well, you still have a lot of work to do before you can start weaponizing hot dogs, horse crap, D-cells, and start swinging from Crisco'd light poles. Hey, Chuck, let me ask you something. What have the last 24 hours been like for you? Angry. Angry pissed. Pissed. You like that? No. Yes. Angry. Pissed. Was that Joe Mazzula over the last 48 hours or Tommy over here for the last 24 hours after hearing all your horrible calls yesterday? I've never seen that look on Tom's face. Like, I don't blame the dude. Like, we, we being me and you, you and I, we only hear, I don't want to say the good calls, but the ones that make it on air. If you think the calls on air are bad, can you imagine the ones that don't make it to air? Think about this. If you think the calls on air are bad, that's the upper 5%. Do you have any idea what the other 95% sound like? No wonder Chalk is even whiter than he normally is. And the guy's a damn vampire. I understand why you're upset, Chalk. I do. I don't blame you at all if you're angry or pissed. Clones, pick the dude up. He's here busting his ass Putting in the hours, trying to make you look good. Let's reset. Let's go back to square one. Come on, man. Poor Tom, man. Looked like he had a steak rammed right through his chest. But today is a new day. Redeem yourselves, clones. It is May 4th. There is a new hope. May 4th. See what I did there? May the 4th be with you. May 4th, may the 4th be with you. It's time to, wait for it, strike back. It's time for you guys to get on the phones and awaken. It's time for you all to rise. Tom looked like I asked him to take the droids to the garage and have them cleaned up before dinner. Take these two over to the garage, will you? I want them cleaned up for dinner. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. You can waste time with your friends when your chores are done. Now, come on, get to it. Tom, 
looked like he just found out that the girl he kissed is actually his sister. No! Tom looked like he was just informed that the guy who cut his hand off is his father. No! Tom sounded like he picked up the phone and Parody Larry was no! on the other end. No! And then hung up on him to pick up the other phone, only to find out it was Ryan no! in Sacktown. No! Hung up on him, slammed the phone down, picked up the next one, picked up all of them, only to realize it wasn't Brad or Vic. No! Or Lef. No! Or Sean. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper or what's your beef? Brandon Bean. Brandon, so good to have you on. How are you? Uh, good to be on with you, Jim. Doing well. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And it's great to have you on. Thanks so much for doing it. I would imagine right about now it's got to feel pretty good to have finished up the draft and get a group of undrafted free agents signed. So, Do you feel like you hit most of your targets overall? And how do you feel about the team on May 4th? Yeah, you know, um, you never – and you sit in the seat, you never feel fully comfortable. You're always out there looking. But um, we feel – you know, free agency. We added some guys. We you know found some linemen, a couple couple skill guys, and then obviously first round the other night. We were coming in the draft hoping it's somewhere the first, you know, two to four rounds to add another, whether it's a receiver or a tight end. We thought there was some depth at both, and and it fell our way to get Kincaid in the first, and and so after that we just kind of um, you know let it fall. We got the you know we got the Florida uh, guard in the second round, and. And uh, again, just just kept trying to find different pieces. Ended up with a, with another guard late uh, and a receiver. So we, you know, again, never feel like you've checked all the boxes. I would say the the one thing we we were hoping to check in the, in the draft that didn't just fall our way was the defensive uh, tackle or D line. We so we you know we went this week and signed Puna Ford since it uh, it didn't land our way. By the way, I love I love that signing. I think that's great. We're talking to Brandon Bean. I like that signing a lot. Let me ask you about Dalton Kincaid, Brandon, who you mentioned. You traded the 27th pick and a fourth rounder to move up the two spots to get him. Why did you feel so strongly about that particular player? And then what do you hope he brings to the offense? Yeah, I mean, uh, Jim, when we were, as I was saying earlier, we were looking, like, what, what can we do for our offense? Like, where are areas that we can help? And we just felt um, the middle of the field, finding someone, uh, you know, obviously Diggs gets a lot of attention. We got Gabe on the other side. Um, 
you know, we didn't have we, – we signed Cole late, but we didn't have Beasley in the year. And so we were just trying to look, what what can we do? We lost Jamison Crowder. He broke his ankle uh, like week four, I think, in, in Baltimore. So it was just um, – it was – it was one of those things where we never solved the middle of the field. And so adding another weapon, uh, pairing him with Dawson Knox, and just like he's a mismatched guy in, in the past game. So when we go 12 personnel, Jim, you know, how are people going to play us? And, and does he get a favorable matchup? Does Dawson get a favorable matchup? Or does – do they, does the defense rotate inside, and now Diggs gets a better matchup? We're talking to Buffalo Bills GM Brandon Bean. Brandon, what about Tulane linebacker Dorian Williams? You added him in the third round. He was just one of two FBS players with at least 125 tackles and five sacks. You've described him as, quote, a tackling machine. How much of an impact are you expecting from him to make as a rookie? Yeah, I mean, he, he is a tackling machine. Um, I think the biggest thing he's going to have to do, you know, we have Matt Milano. If we didn't have Matt Milano, he'd probably be a, a starting wheel backer pretty quick if, you, if you've got an established, you know, Mike linebacker. But uh, for, he's played a little bit of both at Tulane. It's just a, the biggest transition for him, Jim, is going to be going, you know, if, if he's going to try and compete for this, this middle linebacker, the Mike position for us, that's the quarterback of the defense. So you got to know more than just your spot. You got to know how it all comes together. And that's a lot. And so um, that will be his biggest hurdle year one. I mean, athletically, he's, he's what you want. He can match up with backs and tight ends. It's more just going to be running the operation, learning it. It's going to be a big transition for him. So um, not going to put too much pressure on him to have to come out and come in and start right away. But uh, we know he'll contribute, and um, you know we see you know a lot of upside with Dorian. Whether it happens, you know, right away, week one this year, or it happens down the line. You know, Brandon, I was talking to former NFL GM Thomas Dimitrov not long ago on my pod, and we were talking about what it's like to be in the draft room. I'm not sure you can get into this or not, but I'm kind of curious when you make that deal for Latavius Murray, a guy that I've always liked a lot. I'm kind of curious, like if you make it during the draft, maybe were you looking at the board and not necessarily seeing what you wanted to see, and then you react, or are these two totally different things? And were you multitasking when you did that deal? Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those things where we had not, you know, we had not landed one earlier. I met with Latavius uh, a couple of weeks ago. He visited, and I just said, "Listen, Latavius, I think it's best for both of us. Let's let's wait, make sure I don't draft someone. It falls our way. We draft someone fairly high, and th- and now you don't have a legit chance, barring injury, to come in here and help our team." And so we got into day three. I'm looking at the board. We came into that day with two picks, and I'm going, "We could we could use some things elsewhere." Um, there's nobody that I'm like, we got to have this guy. And so it was like, let's, let's reach out to his agent. And, you know, if, if we didn't do that deal, I probably, uh, there were some opportunities to select one, but, um, ultimately to add him and be able to pivot to a couple other positions, I thought was the best move for us. I appreciate that response. Brandon Beans joining us. Brandon, what about Josh Allen? He's entering his sixth season, which kind of blows my mind in and of itself already six years in. And you know he's an elite player. We know this. As much as you appreciate how hard he's willing to fight for every single yard, were you happy to hear him say that he knows that he's going to have to modify his approach and not always put his body on the line? Yeah, and 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 in truth, Josh knows it. He he's always he. I shouldn't say he's always known it. He's known it. Um, he just gets, um, you know, especially if if our offense isn't flowing, you know, and and or if somebody needs to make a play, like he's that guy. He just says, you know, screw it, I'll go make the play. And, and sometimes to his own detriment, or, or taking an unnecessary shot. So, again, that's where it comes back to me 
making sure I provided him the protection up front and the weapons, you know, to let these guys make the plays and, and, and keep him as fresh as possible. But again, he still, um, don't let him fool anybody when, when it's, uh, you know, when it's time to, you know, make a big play or something like that, or we got a, a gotta have it moment and, and he doesn't see an opportunity to throw it. He's going to tuck it and run. And I'm just glad he's at least open to, uh, you know, being being a little bit smarter and, and picking picking his spots maybe a little bit more than he did last season. I mean, right, it's in his DNA. If it's in his DNA, you can't fully change that. What about Vaughn Miller? Vaughn Miller's a future Hall of Famer, and he had such a tremendous impact before he went down with that ACL injury. I mean, I would imagine everybody heals and they rehab differently. Can you update us on his status and what might be a realistic expectation for when he might be back on the field? Yeah, Vaughn's doing really well. Um, he, he's... He's rehabbed some here. He's rehabbed some in, in, in Texas. But, uh, you know, he, he was in here a couple weeks ago. He's, he's hitting all his markers. He, he's, you know, obviously he did that at the end of the year. You're talking Thanksgiving week, uh, coincidentally the same week that happened to Trey White a year ago. But the good thing about Vaughn, Jim, is he's he's torn an ACL before. And, and sometimes that's half the battle is knowing what the rehab is like physically and mentally. And so he's in a very good headspace. Um, knows his body he's been through some things and and you're right he's a first ballot hall of famer and we missed him you know he he made a great impact for us uh, until that injury and we definitely missed him uh down the stretch and, and we'll be excited to get him back you know I, I would say not to put a timetable on it I don't think week one is out of the question um I know that's his goal but it's still too early to say if we would kind of let him you know go out there then we want to make sure he's truly ready and that we can have them down the stretch. I really appreciate this time, Brandon. Really quickly before you go, I think everybody listening became a Bills fan to some extent after DeMar Hamlin's health emergency in Cincinnati. Can you kind of describe what the range of emotions for you and your players have been like from that Monday night all the way to right now when he's back in the facility and he's been fully cleared medically? Yeah, I mean, uh, Jim, hard to uh, – so many, so many emotions, and uh, I can – feel them right now just about to answer this question just um you know the first thing was you know thank the good lord that uh that he saved him and and that that we had the people in the right spot to uh get him in the right hands at uh university of cincinnati hospital and uh, you know that was you know there with his parents was just like let's just let him live and have a normal life we weren't even thinking football and so um it's it's nothing short of a miracle that we're talking you know, whatever it is, four, four to five months later, I guess five now, that um, that he is in here fully cleared, multiple specialists outside of Buffalo. He saw a couple specialists here and then went to three additional ones in various parts of the country and all uh, agreed that it was the Commodio Cordis uh, situation, which is, you know, I guess about as likely as, as getting struck by lightning. So um, it's it's a miracle. We're all here to support him. You know, it's still – you know, he's still a work in progress. No, you know, nobody's had to come back from something like this that I'm aware of in the NFL. So we're supporting him, excited he's here, and his teammates have rallied around him, and, and we're just going to continue to support him. Hope, hopefully he can make this, this full comeback. It really is miraculous. So, Brandon, a final thought. From where I'm sitting, I see an extremely professional organization, great culture, extremely well run. Listen, respectfully, I understand that you and everybody in that building are going to attack every single season with a great sense of urgency. Every single year, that never changes. I get that. But given how close you've come the last couple of years, is this that proverbial make-or-break season for the team? You know, I don't think it is. I mean, we're we're trying. Listen, there's some moves that we 
could do that just say, hey, we're just going to go all in for this year and have a teardown. Um, but we're, you know, we've been very diligent in how we've done the cap and we're trying to avoid um, that type of situation. I, you know, it's not easy, uh, especially when you get, you know, top paid quarterback, you know, highly paid receiver, Vaughn and Trey White and some of these guys. But um, ultimately, we think we've we've got a plan to continue to go for it year after year and 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 hopefully we can find a way to you know pull that title home for buffalo here sooner rather than later and what would that mean i mean that town what an amazing town for the bills mafia can you even describe or put into words what that would mean to deliver to that fan base a world championship oh that would uh as much as as when you sit in the seat or you grow up in this business the way i have and as much as you want to say hey i'm a champion uh, I would be more excited to watch this fan base. Um, just, you know, just the joy. I mean, there would you honestly, Jim, you'd see more tears than you would see people screaming. That's just how passionate these people are and how, how much it means to them. And so uh, as much as I, you know, I don't, I don't have been to the Super Bowl twice and lost um, as much as I would want one for myself. I'd, I'd, I'd be more excited to see this fan base be able to celebrate. No, I get it. I've seen it up close. I've seen those fans. I know those fans, and I agree with you. I agree with everything you just said. That right there is as comprehensive a conversation as you can have. Brandon, so appreciate you. Thank you for taking so much time, and really great to have you on the show. I do appreciate that visit, Brandon. Thank you very much. You got it, Jim. All the best, buddy. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back that you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Scott in Philadelphia. Great to have you, Scott. How are yeah, you? I, I love the Star Wars thing. I was eleven. I was eleven when it came out in uh, in seventy six. Um, I remember going to the theater. I'm right there with you on that. Um, yeah, don't listen to haters on that one. Seventy um, sixers. I was hugely disappointed. Really had my hopes up. It is, they got game one. No MVP. No Embiid. They, they they're going to have Embiid in there. Maybe they're going to go for the jugular and, like, really, like, show them who's boss, and they get humiliated. <laughs> it, they didn't have the intensity. Um, no, It was okay till the third quarter. They were actually only down by seven points going into the third quarter, like, in the third quarter, and it just fell apart. Totally humiliated. No answer. Just pull your starters. I was so disappointed. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. So let me be the first to admit this, and you know this already if you know me, I've always been fascinated by Aaron Rodgers, always. Even before the text slinger left Green Bay and started slinging texts, even before Aaron started his first NFL game, I have always been fascinated by this guy because to me he's a fascinating guy. 
Always has been. That's always been true. Except I'm not sure that it's ever been more true than it is right now. One of the more interesting guys that I've ever seen in the NFL, really in any sport, might be in the midst of his most interesting two-week stretch as an NFLer. Because seriously, who shows up to the biggest city and is bigger than the biggest city? Who upstages New York City? Aaron Rodgers. That's who. Even Aaron has to be somewhat surprised by how big Aaron already is in New York City and how enormous and warm and overwhelming that Big Apple embrace has been already. Even his own teammates are starstruck by this dude. Guys that are already in the NFL and getting it done and producing are starstruck by this dude. Even the reigning offensive rookie of the year, a stud in Garrett Wilson, a.k.a. Aaron's new number one target, even this guy can't really believe that any of this is happening. It takes a little time, you know, just to, to realize. It still probably hasn't stuck in all the way until I caught the first ball from him. But, but um, yeah, you know, that's a legend right there, you know, and that's a Hall of Fame player, and, and we're all blessed to to be able to, um, you know, you know, this is something 20 years from now, 30 years from now, I'll tell my kid, you know, I play with Aaron Rodgers, you know, and, and um, yeah, you know, I, I try not to think about it too much at this point, you know, just because we're, we're going to work and, and um and he's my teammate and 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 that's got to be the mindset but but the reality of it is it's it's awesome man it is awesome to be you know having someone like that around a facility and and um you know I, I just can't wait to to keep working I mean that that's the epitome of like that tweet why even do a take like that right there says everything why even share my thoughts that right there said everything you need to know about this guy and the impact that he's having on the culture. Remember that whole thing about when Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay and he immediately changed the culture and everybody expected it. And that's one of the reasons why you bring him in because that guy is addicted to the process, addicted to the grind, addicted to the work. And then by the same token, so many people were so quick to say, Aaron's not Brady in that regard. Aaron's not going to have that same impact because Aaron's not about that process. Aaron's not about that grind. Aaron is about Aaron. Aaron doesn't even know if he wants to play football anymore. Aaron is this kook. Aaron is out, you know, pursuing things and drugs and darkness retreats. He's not that guy. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Listen to his teammates. Listen to the reaction that he's already getting from them and the impact he's already had. He's only been there for several days. Good to know that I'm not the only one who finds this whole thing pretty surreal. That I'm not the only one that can't really believe that this guy's in the facility. Because apparently even the dudes in the facility can't believe that Aaron is in the facility. What I'm saying is something feels right about the dynamic here. In fact, it feels like the opposite of the way the vibes felt in Green Bay the last couple of years. I'm not blaming Green Bay. I'm not blaming the Packers. I'm not blaming Aaron. It just feels a lot different. It feels right. I mean, come on. Are you going to really try and tell me that this dude sitting courtside at MSG for a Nick game with Sauce Gardner and trolling him the entire time for being so young isn't awesome? Because if you do, you're wrong. It is awesome. He was, just, he was just picking on me a little bit for being young. You know, like, we was getting seated, and he was like, oh, we're about to sit by, um, what's her name? 
I'm about to sit by Jessica Alba, and I'm just like, oh, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I don't know who that is. And he just looked at me. He looked at me like I'm crazy. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was just great just being able to sit sit over there, and I got to I got to meet her and um, one of her friends who was from Detroit, actually. You know, it was, it was great vibes, but that whole night, he would just keep asking me out of nowhere. He's like, do you know who that person is? And I'm like, bro, that's Amari Stoudemire. I know who that is. Like, now you're just picking on me at this point. I mean, this dude's just pimping one of the young stars. That is so Aaron. As soon as he found out that Sauce didn't know who Jessica Alba was, he's like, ah, you know that person? You know that person? And Sauce said, yeah, I know who that is, Aaron. That's Amari Stoudemire, man. Now you're just picking on me. It's all awesome. Like, I am all in. I always have been on Aaron, but I am all in on this guy, and I'm all in on this guy in that town. And I got to tell you, man, I love the Jets. Still all in on the Bills, but love the Jets. I like Miami a lot. But in terms of this situation, I love what I'm seeing. Those are two super young talents that are just in awe of this guy. And you're going to tell me that they're not going to play harder. They're not going to prepare even more diligently. He's got that effect. Now, Sauce, dude, I love you, man. I love Sauce. He is a star. He is the epitome of a star, Sauce. I love you, bro, but I got to say, the fact that you didn't know Jessica Alba, you deserve any heat that you got from Aaron for not knowing her. Like, dude, I know you're 22, but no excuse. Reminds me of that time I was interviewing that NFL or at Super Bowl. When my old pal, Holly Robinson Pete, happened by. You know Holly. Famous actress. Famously married to former NFL Rodney Pete. Famously leading me to believe that I was all that. I walked through the room. Saw, you know, Brian Mitchell, Michael Urban. Some old guys we used to, you know, play with. and All good looking guys. But I was looking for the best looking man on Radio Row. And? And I found him. Jim Rome, you are so hot. That's all I'm saying. That's okay. Rodney knows I have like the full-on crush. If he didn't, he does now. And you know what the worst part about that was? I bought that. I bought that hook, line, sinker. My gal probably said that to 10 other people on the, on the row. Anyway, love Holly. <clears throat> Respect, Rod. You know that. Rodney's a great dude. Holly's fun. She's big on the jungle. So my point is, you got that young NFLer that I'm talking to. He's just staring at her, staring at her. I'm like, bro, we're during a commercial break. I'm like, bro, you know who that is, right? He's like, nah. And then I told him who she was. I'm like, you know her, right? He's like, nah. <laughs> I'm like, wow. That's like sauce. Sauce Sauce is cool as bleep. But not knowing Jessica Alba is not cool at all. I mean, Julius Randle does. Props to Julius Randle. Apparently, he hooked her up with that seat, and she thanked him on Instagram yesterday and included the caption, quote, congrats at NY Knicks on the W. Thank you at Julius Randall 30 for the invite. You are a kind soul, and it was awesome watching your leadership on the court. End of quote. Legendary stuff from a legendary actress and personality. But back to the legend that is the new Jets quarterback. I want to make this clear. This isn't just about Aaron getting some run, getting some attention, getting some love from New York City, going up on the scoreboard. 
showing up to the biggest city and being even bigger than the biggest city. This is about the J-E-T-S. This is about changing the Jets culture. This is about changing the Jets standard. This is about changing the Jets expectations within. This is about him raising the energy of everybody in the building and making everybody around him better. And that's not just me. It's the guys inside the building, the guys that he's playing with that are already saying that. So yes, Aaron might be visible on the MSG scoreboard during Nick games, but the way more important place that he's been seen, this is really important too. Even more importantly than being seen on the scoreboard at MSG is being seen inside the Jets facility, actually physically being in that building. Something that you did not see a whole lot of during the offseason the last few years in Green Bay. And Packer fan was so quick to say, hey man, he's not going to be there. He's going to have to be there to acclimate with his new teammates, to make sure that he's on the same page. And then when the bullets start to fly, if he hasn't formed those bonds, they won't be ready. Except he is there. He is forming those bonds. He is getting acclimated. He's leading from the front. So when the Jets made that trade, I said that all of it would be worth it if they got a dialed-in, committed, focused, motivated Aaron. And seeing what I've seen so far, I don't know how that guy could be much more dialed-in and focused and committed and motivated than what I'm seeing right now. As far as I can tell, Aaron is all about being a New York Jet. As far as I can tell, nobody has ever been more about being a New York Jet. And the real win here is for a New York Jet fan and New York Jet organization. All of which is why when I hear Garrett Wilson talk about the standard and the excitement and the expectations and the motivation, all being raised up in that building because of Aaron's arrival, I believe this guy. This guy is a star. Garrett's a star. I'd be lying if if I said that we had someone, um, you know, of Aaron Rodgers' pedigree and, and the expectation, you know, doesn't go up a little bit, you know, and and um, you know, that's 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 how it is in this in this industry, you know. So um, we're excited to to have him, and we know what comes with it. We know that all of a sudden, you know, eyes are on us, and that we gotta we gotta back it up every time we take the field, you know, practice or game, and. And uh, we're excited to, to prove that every week. You know, what we what we know we have, we're excited to prove that to the world every week. Drew and West LA is in. Drew writes, quote, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay versus New York looks like a bum transformation before and after photo. Dude showed up looking like a matinee idol. Drew, you're old school jungle. Don't try to slide or wedge or slyly get some bum smack in there when you know bum smack is not allowed. That aside, valid point. But it speaks to what I'm talking about. This guy showed up a certain way. Showed up a certain way. He knew. He knew, he knows what that deal means. He knows the responsibility that comes along with that deal. He's got to lead from the front, and he has to impact the entire team. I'll do you one better. Not just the offense, but all three phases. 
the entire organization. Aaron knows. Aaron knows exactly how it is. This is why he's showing up the way he is, showing up where he's showing up. Knicks, Rangers, and most importantly, in the facility, lifting with his teammates, getting the work in. I love it. Love the guy, love what I'm seeing, and I can't wait to see how it translates on the field. And you can save your, yeah, Rome, let's just wait. Wait until one receiver makes one, whatever. We'll get to that when that happens. I'm just reacting to what I'm seeing right now, and I love what I'm seeing right now. Look at the AFC. Nothing's guaranteed. But I can tell you this, I already know without them taking a single snap, the Jets are better. They're a much better football team, and they're a much better organization than they were before this guy showed up. They're already better. Much better. Hey, Rome, we know that Zach Wilson would have known who Jessica Alba was, signed the Cougs of New York City. That I will allow. That's actually pretty funny. Even when something like that is not funny at all anymore because you've beaten it into the ground, that was pretty funny. It's a good point. Don't break me, Alvin. Don't break me, Alvin. I'll break when I damn well want to break. We need a break. If you're watching us on CBS Sports Network, what you see to my left is a giant plastic tower of awesome. Old Trapper Beef Jerky, my pals there, are responsible for one of the best segments of the week every single week. Jack Savage brought in the Tower of Beef and said, how long y'all been doing this? He is the new guy. I said, years. Years. All right, so let's do this. You have time. I've got Dana White coming up at 1140 or 40 minutes from right now. If there's anything bothering you, just give it to me in the form of a beef. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be anything at all. Sports or non-sports. Personal, professional, anything in life. Everything applies as long as it's not over the line. Let's do this. We do it by phone. We do it by written, either Twitter or an email. Why don't we start today with the written form? Hi, Jim. My beef is with my microwave beeping constantly after I finish heating up food. I know my food is done, Mr. Microwave. No one in the history of the world has forgotten they're hungry. If we don't eat, we die. You don't need to remind anyone on earth not to die. What you don't know is the food inside of you is nuclear hot. Shut up already while I let my burrito cool to under 1,000 degrees. Zach and Jax. Dude, you're talking to your microwave oven. Hey, Rome, my beef is with commuter person who sits next to me on the crowded train. It's not that you take the open seat next to me on a crowded train. No. My beef is that once the train starts to empty out and free seats open up, you don't move and you continue to sit next to me on a now almost empty train. I can't hop over your lap to go to an empty space. We aren't buddies or stuck in assigned seats. Now that there is ample seating, get your ass up and move, weirdo. Hassan in Oakland. Up and move. 
you weirdo. Mr. Rome, I've got a beef with City Guy at a country concert. He's walking around in a flannel, flush off the rack from TJ Maxx, pretending it's not 85 degrees out, while sucking down his vodka seltzers on the hood of his compact sedan. War Marty Robbins, NASCAR legend. Lyle in Pittsburgh. I told you I love this about the beef segment. We get beefs from everywhere. First three, Jacksonville, Oakland, Pittsburgh. Proving that everybody everywhere has a beef. Rome, I got a beef with my ex-girlfriend. After we broke up, she starts hitting the gym and now looks super hot. Kind of an Aaron Rodgers situation. I have regrets, Jim. Edward in Week Take Lake. I respect the honesty. I'm, that is what it's like, Packer fan. That's how you're coming off. Jim, my beef is with can openers, electric, and hand crank. Neither type can get the lid off in one try. Just make all cans with pop tops. Treva in Merritt Island, Florida. Romy, my beef is with parking lots with small spaces. Why do I have to back in or out three or four times just to get it right? Make the spaces bigger. I don't want to get door dinged by some butt wipe who can't park. And I have a freaking Corolla, not a truck. Save me. Rick in Chico. I got a beef. I have a car beef. So I get this new car. Got this new car maybe six weeks ago. It's a new car, but it's a 2022. Driving the car. It's got a lot of technology in it. It's all good. It's all fine. I did one thing. Okay, quickly. I did this one thing where I set it up where in order to get to the display, I have to put in a passcode every single time. That pisses me off. But that's my own fault. I probably didn't have to set it up like that. I could fix that in a setting, right? The other morning, I go to get my morning Joe. I get in the car. Every, I mean, I haven't, I was having XR4TI Miracle flashbacks. Every error message was going off. Every error light was going on. I'm like, what the hell is going on? The car is like talking to me, beeping at me. I'm like, what is this? What is this? Take the car in. I'm hit with two things. Number one, recall in the car. Recall. And number two, the non-recall-related item is, oh, no, you got a problem. You got a lot of problems. We will need to keep the car for days. I'm like, the car's brand new. What the hell happened? It was fine when I left the house. Anyway, thanks for uh, letting me get that off my chest. It's the beef segment. So now I'm driving Dodger Jano's car. You should see his keychain. It's got pearls and perfume and flowers and, like, dang, DJ. She thought that was hilarious. It's fine. Just don't adopt any kids while I'm on the air. My beef is with commercials with doorbells in them. Is it really a cornerstone of a business model to send my dogs into full-blown <laughs> red alert meltdown mode every time your otherwise forgettable commercial airs? Dave in Cottage Grove. Hashtag beef perfecta. That's good. I like that. Romy... Juan Kenobi, my beef is with the loser at work who is showing off his Star Wars tattoo today. We get it. 
you're a virgin, you're fat, and you have a restraining order on you. Pull down your shirt, stick to worshiping your Princess Leia action figure in your mom's attic. Loser. V in the fee. Wore the Lakers in five. V, two things. Number one, almost everybody listening would have said that about you. And then number two, dude, I thought you were an online karate instructor. So who are you seeing at work? My beef. Hey, look at this guy. This guy's going back to back almost. This is two for him. My beef is with toasters. Why does it take longer to properly toast bread in a toaster than a big poppy at bat in October? Turn on a 40s instructional film about how to duck and cover under a desk in case of a nuclear attack, and you'll see more or less today's toaster tech on full display. How are we not advanced in toaster technology since splitting the atom? The world deserves 30-second toast. Be better. Dave in Cottage Grove. Chalk's owning that. Chalk just hit me with that. I didn't mean to do that. Dave got me. Well done, Dave. War 30-second toast. My beef is with the 40-year-old dude that's at the high school football game wearing his old Letterman jacket, yelling at the refs and kids, trying to relive his glory days. Take the Letterman jacket off and give it up. You're not in high school anymore. Brantley and Eugene. Yeah, but Brantley, if that was the very best time of that guy's life, he's never taken that jacket off, yo. At R underscore parenti underscore Jimmy. Your show is my beef. You have ruined other sports talk shows for me. I have zero interest in hearing other shows doing a Mount Rushmore list or the same old tired hot takes. Thanks, Jimbroni, for absolutely nothing. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. I understand why people do that. We're not doing that. We're not. This is never going to be a hot take factory. We are never going to do Mount Rushmore. We're not going to do a bunch of fake, contrived, manufactured debates. We're not doing Go Talk. We're just not doing it. It's all factories. It's all factories. Dan in the Bay. Romy, my beef is with the knob who says, well, it's happy hour somewhere before they take a sip of their first beer mid-morning on vacation. Jimmy, I got the hashtag fat pile of beef with my new work schedule. I can no longer listen every day, and it's giving me jungle separation anxiety. What the hell is that? Well, there's always the apparati. Abigail. War lady in Give Me Back My Show. Give me no, back my in shot. Give Me My Show Back, Diego. Abby, hate to hear that. You know there are ways to get the show on demand. You know there are ways to listen to the show. Just not live. And if you're having true jungle separation anxiety, my advice is quit that job. Hate, hate to hear that. Hate to see that. Sean Rohasek. My beef is with those greedy media companies who aren't giving their writers what they want. No wonder they're on strike. Hashtag, what's your beef? Jim, I have beef. With other beard people talking to me about beard stuff. 
I doubt clean-shaven guy seeks out other clean-shaven guy to have a powwow. Leave me alone. Wessel, you win. There's your leader in the clubhouse. That one's different than anything else, and I've never heard it before. That's Wesley near Boise. Rome, my beef is with people here in Colorado who complain about snow. Hey, moron, you moved to Colorado. You should have probably known that we get snow here. And just FYI, March and April are statistically the two snowiest months of the year. Feel free to go back to the place that you came from. Eric in Castle Rock. I hear you. Snagger, my beef is with Apple's packaging. They put their stuff in that elaborate white box, which makes me think that I need to keep it around. So now my office is filled with phone, watch, iPad, and MacBook boxes. How about you just putting it in a normal box and charging me 25 bucks less? Derek in Des Moines. Broham. Bravo. Bravo. Derek, I'm you and you're me. I'm the same way. Nobody buys more of that stuff than me, I'm ashamed to say. And I keep all the boxes. I'm the same exact way. For some reason, I feel like I can't throw the boxes away. Because I'm going to move at some point, and I'm going to have to put the computer and the phone and the iPad. Well, not the iPad. That got ripped. You know that story. Dude, I so know what you're talking about. And you know what, Derek? I can tell you this. You and I are not the only ones. I guarantee there are people listening right now that are nodding their heads in agreement. Yes. Me too. Us too. Guarantee it, Derek. You nailed it. My beef is with those yellow concrete dots in front of grocery stores. What the hell is the point of those things other than to rattle the food right out of your cart when you go over them? Jason in San Diego. All right, there are the written ones unless there are more. Here's one. Hey, Jim, I've got a beef with someone who can't navigate a can opener. Warn us now. Do you drive a car? Larry in Albany, I love a reaction to an earlier beef. Jim, my beef is with sycophantic tools like Jeff in Richmond, who use a person's name over and over when speaking to them. It doesn't work on anyone for the purpose you're using it for. Only time I want to hear my name multiple times is when I'm getting nice. <laughs> Robbing Cream Bay. I tend to disagree. I mean, I agree with the second part. You definitely want that. When I conduct interviews and or conversations and the person that I'm speaking with uses my name in the course of the discussion, it tells me that they're engaged, they're interested, and they like and respect me. Otherwise, they're fake as hell. Yeah, but Rome, what if they use your name 10 times? Frankly, it kind of depends on who it is. Hey, Rome, what if they use your name and they say it like this? Jim! All right, then point well taken. Jimmy the Jammer. My beef is with V in the fee. Not his beef earlier in the segment. Just V in the fee in general. That is all. War shutting up. Koran in South Carolina. Rome, my beef. You see what I mean about beefs? They're never ending. That's why I love this segment. 
We always run out of time before we run out of beef. Rome, my beef is with, I want to coach my kid, parent. The only reason you're interested is to ensure that your child either leads off or plays quarterback or just starts. Try having them earn it. Justin in Albany. Chalk like that one. Let's go to the phones. First stop is Pomona. Anthony in Pomona. Anthony, what's up? What's up, Jimmy? My beef is with the overuse of the word goat. Everybody's a goat now today. LeBron's a goat. Jordan's a goat. Brady's a goat. It's like there's subcategories for every goat. Goat this, goat that. It, it, it's horrible. It's, what, what's going to be next? Ryan from Sucktown being the goat of horrible takes. Parody Larry being the goat of horrible parodies or just parodies in, jail, in general. Ward the Lakers whooping on the Warriors again. War Kelly Carson. And you know what? It shouldn't be May the Force be with you today. May the Force. It should be May the Deodorant be with you, you stinky <laughs> asses. Ooh. Which stinky asses may the deodorant be with, Anthony? Star Wars dorks? <laughs> I see what you just did there. It shouldn't be May the Force be with you. It should be, may the deodorant be with you, you stinky asses. Slider, you stink. Star Wars dorks. Slider. Anthony thinks you stink. My bad, Anthony. Yeah, the problem with the goat talk, even worse than everybody being a goat, is a team thinking they have the goat, and when the goat's speaking, the other team member's going, bah, bah. 1-800-636-8686. 1-800-636-8686. Since you called out Ryan in Sucktown for being the goat of horrible takes, why don't we go there right now so he can respond? Ryan in Sacktown. Ryan, what is your beef? Hey, what's up, JR? Uh, Anthony, you live in Panama. Pen- Pen- uh, said, My beef is with... Ah! That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. <laughs> not a very good call. I mean, right there on a platter for you, because that's effectively his brand anyway. This guy in Sacramento killing people who live in Fresno, Riverside, Baco. So it was right there on brand for him. Hey, Anthony, uh, I'd respond, but you live in Panoma. You live in Panoma. You live in pneumonia. You live in Pomonia. You 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 Appalachia Panoma. You you live in Panoma. Damn, Ryan, that was so funny. Not that you meant it to be, dude. That's your brand. You live in Panoma. That's your brand. Acting like you live in Bel Air and killing other towns that you think are beneath you. And Panoma would have fit in perfectly with that. And you couldn't even get out Pomona. (laughs) Not only was that a bunny or a layup, you effectively made his point. 
You are the goat of horrible takes. You can't even say Panoma. You live in Panoma. Panoma. Oh, dude, that was incredible. What a great moment. Let's try another one. Hate to follow that. How do you follow that? Let's go to Kathleen in Omaha. This ain't her first rodeo. Kathleen, what is your beef? When I was at the Admiral Theater last Friday night to see Avatar Live, I heard some jackass turkey squid yell out for Johannes to shut up and get to the song. He'll get to it when he's good and ready. You do can shut the bleep up and listen to what he had to say. Johannes is a charismatic frontman, and I, for one, cannot wait until the next time that Avatar comes here again. Got that, you jackass turkey squid? She breaks off these phrases that I have no idea what they mean or where they came from. Jackass turkey squid? What's that mean? I know this. Jackass turkey squid is still way better than Panoma. You live in Panoma. Pneumonia. 1-800-636-8686. It is the beef segment. Let's go to Florida. Bernie. Good to have you, Bernie. What is your beef? Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking the call, man. Hey, hey, listen, real quick before I get to my beef, I want to thank you for propping up the Tampa Bay Rays. Unlike Daniel in Central Florida, I, th- I thought it was awesome that you had Eric on a couple weeks ago. Thank you for that. And my beef is back-end parking spot guy. I see it all the damn time. I seen a guy yesterday, it took him three times to get into a spot, and there was no one else around. I don't get it. That's my beef, Jim. Thanks, buddy. I got you, Bernie. You know, I let me try and respond to that. I'm not that guy. I never back in. I never back in except on Fridays. And we started doing this. I haven't said it in a long, long time, but I used to start every single Friday program by saying, I hope that you denimed up and backed in. Because for some reason, I realized it makes a difference. Like, we still come out with the same kind of energy and the same kind of intensity. But I noticed for the crew, for the XR4TI, and even for myself, it was a change-up, and it kind of gave us something to look forward to. I don't know why this is, but the denim made a big deal because we didn't always go casual dress on Friday. And then I started doing that, and I noticed that that made a difference. It changed the energy somehow. And then we started to back in, and for some reason, that was a complete game-changer. It was so awesome to drive straight out. So I don't have a huge issue with back-in guy. I don't do it, but the crew does it once a week. Hey, Tommy, am I right? Does it not help once a week? He says yes, 100%. 1-800-636-8686. However, the difference is doing it once a week as kind of a carrot or something to look forward to is different than doing it every single time you park then I would think the novelty would wear off. Then I, then I don't really get it. You tell me, back-end guy, why would you do that every single time? There's got to be a reason, right? <laughs> this is amazing. I said there's got to be a reason, right? And then, th- this is incredible. Right as I said that, I look at the screen, and this guy's got a beef with people who ask, right? That was a total coincidence. That's right. I got to go to him now, right? That's right? David in Kansas City. 
Hey, David, you've got a beef, right? Thanks for taking my call, Jim. I do have beef with people who seek validation for what they've just said by hypothetically asking if it's right. If you didn't think it was right, why the hell did you say it? Here, here. You're right, dude. Right? That's right. They, I would compare that to this. My favorite TV show right now, I said this earlier, is Succession. I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliantly written. I think the acting is incredible. I love the casting. But they do something on that show that I don't like at all that's similar to that. The characters on that show, and there are multiple characters that do it, are always saying, yeah, yeah. They end sentences with that all the time. Yeah? Yeah. We should blah, 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 yeah? Yeah. So what you mean, yeah? Yeah. Watch that show and tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm right. Am I right? Yeah? Yeah. That that was really odd. That was really odd. I said that. That's right. I did something that was some guy's beef without knowing what his beef was. That is really odd. Yeah? That is really odd, right? That was a really incredible beef moment, right? That's right. That's why he was laughing. 1-800-636. Pretty wild, yeah? Yeah. Am I right? That's right. We're not done yet. Or we are. Chalk says we're done. You would know, Chalk. Now Now we're done. Are you sure we're done? Now we're done, right? Good night now!